Hey everyone, I'm Eric Peckham, and this is the Monetizing Media Podcast. My whole focus is breaking down business opportunities across media, entertainment, and gaming. I'm joined by a leading entrepreneur, executive, or investor in most episodes to share tactical insights about the strategy of their company, an investment thesis they have, or topics like business models, pricing, and creating loyal fans. In this episode, we are diving into the booming business of webcomics with Michelle Wells, the Chief Content Officer at Tapas. Webcomics are comics, typically manga-style, created specifically for online consumption. Webcomic stories advance through scrolling and or tapping, typically have comment sections accompanying each chapter, and have a distinctly different audience from print comics, with a focus on romance and fantasy for young female readers. Michelle's company Tapas was founded in 2012 by Korean entrepreneur Chang Kim, and is one of the leading webcomics platforms, featuring 92,000 stories by 64,000 different creators. It is in the process of being acquired by Korean consumer internet giant Kakao for a reported $510 million price tag. Tapas generates revenue through ads and the sale of in-app currency that users use to access additional episodes in a series. The company keeps 30% of ad revenue and 50% of in-app currency purchases, with the rest going to creators. Creators also keep 100% of any tips they receive from fans. Michelle was previously the editor-in-chief at DC Comics, the iconic comic book publisher that brought the world IP like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, the Justice League, and Suicide Squad. Hey, Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. The webcomic space, I think, has just started to appear on a lot of people's radar in the entertainment business, even though it's been you know, around for about a decade, growing and growing gradually in both in Asia, where a lot of anime manga got its origins, but also in the US and Europe and Western markets. And Tapas is one of the leading players in the space. So excited to have you walk us through what's happening in a bit more detail. I guess as a starting point, you come from a more traditional entertainment background and from the print comics space, traditional comics at DC. Um, what's so different about web comics? You know, in, yeah. in terms of its format and the culture around it. Absolutely. That's a great question. So I'm going to start with sequential storytelling, and that encompasses comics, graphic novels, web comics, and also things like storyboarding used in filmmaking, right? I think relatively recently, there's been a pretty distinct shift in understanding that not only can sequential storytelling entertain and empower, as you see across the board, but these formats are particularly uh, well-suited for providing advantages that reading prose doesn't. So for example, through visual clues, readers can better decode text, which leads to vocabulary improvement, developments of empathy, a better understanding of communities outside of their own, et cetera, um, which is really why uh, you've seen this explosion in popularity, particularly for young readers. In terms of the marketplace itself, graphic novels for children and young adults have just absolutely exploded in the past decade or so, as you've said. So you see books by Raina Telgemeier, Dave Pelkey. They dominate the chart, not just in comic book sales, but in publishing overall, and then in the broader entertainment sphere. On the adult side, you'll see a movie based on a comic book released 
every week or so it seems. So yeah, yeah. So so while comics and web comics are both formats that are built on this serialized sequential storytelling presented in segments, right? Which are issues for comics and episodes for web comics, the formatting is fundamentally different. And that's where we really see that shift. The story in a web comic is experienced through a vertical scroll, which is optimized for reading online. And then that means that the interaction is a little bit different. Readers engage with the story in a much more immediate, immersive way, as opposed to reading horizontal comics, which are optimized for the page and that page turn. I mean, they're both amazing, wonderful experiences, but the storytelling is different because web comics really focus on personal character-driven stories for the most part. And I think that's what makes them so appealing from an international perspective. Yeah. And it, it seems web comics sit closer to the traditional manga community than to what most people think of as the core comics community. It's more fantasy and romance. Stylistically, mm-hmm. a lot of the, the art is manga Yes, absolutely. Stylistically, without a doubt. And it's probably because of where web comics comes from. I mean, if you look at um, the Korean creators, they are really the masters of this type of storytelling. It's in K-dramas, and, but we also see appeal in other communities as well. So if you look at the popularity of the telenovela, for example, you could see that this type of storytelling would really appeal in Spanish-speaking markets. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever binged anything on Netflix, you can see how this would appeal to an American sensibility as well, because there's that bingeable, like constant interaction that's really, really fun and appealing. Yeah. The main destinations for web comics have been these UGC platforms like Tapas, like mm-hmm. Webtoon and others. What percent of the the reading audience here are also creators? I feel like traditionally in UGC platforms, it's about 1% of people make that shift to the creating and publishing their own content? Well, I can tell you that around 64,000 of our users are creators also. And we have millions of readers who access their stories. So that reach is pretty phenomenal across the board. But 64,000 is a pretty significant uh, percentage. Yeah. And, and, And who are they demographically and in terms of professional background? Is a lot of young people who haven't done anything professional in the space before crafting these stories? Is it professionals coming out of manga or out of traditional comics, diving into this as a a new area of of expertise? Yeah, it actually seems to be a precursor to getting into comics, because this is really um, a very specific and personal way of telling a story. The core audience at Tapas is girls ages 18 to 24. And so telling stories that they really relate to is is probably the key to reaching that uh, demographic. And that means authentic storytelling that is not just creator first, but really personal and and groundbreaking in, in those types of ways. In terms of some of our popular creators, we have The Cow, whose series Magical Boy is now being published off-platform by Scholastic as well. We have VVBG, which stands for Very, Very Bad Girls, who do Born Sexy Tomorrow. 
we have Turtle Me, who is beh- behind the internationally successful The Beginning After the End, which you might have heard of. Sarah Anderson, who did Fangs for us. And Vel, who did DPS Only, which just yesterday was nominated for an Eisner. So you can see there's a lot of sort of interplay between what they're creating on the platform and then what it's developed into or what it can become off-platform. Looking at the, the top creators on the platform, by and large, are they still individuals? Creating or at that point, kind of like with top YouTube channels, they they become small teams. So on the creator side, they are individuals by and large. On the Studio Tapas side, we do have teams. The Studio Tapas side is really creating content that will appeal to what we know our readers are looking for on the platform, but then also be really appropriate for development in film and TV and podcast and merchandise and other things. And, and that's your own original content that's mixing in with the UGC content on the platform. Exactly. And then we also have content that we import from China and Korea and some other international destinations who are really amazing at the storytelling for this. Yeah. In terms of the relationship between you as the platform and all the UGC creators, I'm curious, I guess, A, the business model is a, a rev share model, much like with YouTube or other platforms. Is the content exclusive to top us is that part of the deal for creators or do they often post their story on other webcomic platforms as well studio tapas content is exclusive to tapas when it comes to the creator community they're all independent so they can distribute their stories exclusively on tapas or not it's entirely up to them and that's really the key thing is that on the community side the content on tapas is always 100% under the creator's control so they can monetize as they see fit yeah going back to the studio tapas just to be clear is this in-house studios by staff at tapas or are you commissioning outside teams to come up with the original content and and it gets different treatment than just the normal UGC content Actually, we, we feature whatever's great. So it's, again, like democratizing that. In terms of how we're working with creators, we both accept pitches and come up with internal ideas we think might work. And then we go out and find creators who are really appropriate to tell that particular story at this particular time with us. Yeah. For uh, a creator to get distribution on their story, I mean, how much is that navigating dynamics within top us as far as there are certain there are certain ways to get featured or, or things you want to do to better promote on the platform versus it's a bit more traditional building a social following on on other platforms and directing people to to your content on top us yeah in terms of acquiring new readers it's always good to engage an audience on social media or when the world opens up again through conventions and other in-person events, because readers really, really love to see the process and hear the stories behind their favorite creators. And they respond to authentic relationships, both on and off the platform. And in terms of being featured, quality always rises to the top. So if you make great content, you will find an audience. And as you improve and as you grow as creators, your readership will grow as well. Yeah, What's the role of the social features within Top Us in terms of commenting, et cetera? And, and how, how central is that looking at the product roadmap going forward? Is the aim to, to make this ever more social or will it still be firmly around the, the content and, and comments, et cetera, are secondary and discussion after you've consumed it? You know, it's, it's actually really interesting because we see readers influencing the story all the time. They identify with 
like a, a tertiary character. And then as a result, we see the creators adjusting the storytelling arc to better connect with that character because it resonates, right? Or readers might post messages like, oh, I can't wait to see what this character wears to this like big event. And so then we'll stop and put a lot of thought and time into the design to make sure that when the readers see it for the first time, it's really exciting to them. So I so I think that we're we're probably... It's, it's really unique that we can have that interplay between the audience and the creator. And it's something that allows us to be really unique in this space in terms of finding a story that really resonates very strongly. Yeah. It, it, is an episode a finished product or is it a living organism that the creator will keep making changes to and, and updating? It's, it's generally pretty finished. Although as with anything, if we adapt a series off platform, there might be changes that are made to make the story more suitable for that particular medium. So what happens in a webcomic generally goes for hundreds of episodes, which if we develop it as a live action off platform, you have sort of a finite number of episodes and a limited number of series so that changes might come from there. But always we're taking into consideration what people really want to see and read and engage with. And we want to honor that when we develop off platform. Where on, on that point, where do creators actually create the content that they post on top of us? Is that functionality you have on the back end, or is that typically through Clip Studio some of these other yeah it's it's entirely up to them in whatever way they're comfortable in working we do have a number of tools on the back end to guide new creators on like the best practices and sort of the the ins and outs of creating a really good uh, webcomic so we have a guide for new creators posted on top us which gives an overview of exactly what to do so like everything from tips and tricks to how to select your genres to series basics for both comics and novels, because we also publish novels episodically, tutorials, how to find your audience, all that good stuff. And then in addition to that, we have the forums, which are populated by creators. And in there, you can exchange ideas, workshop your concepts, get feedback, find collaborators. In general, you could just be part of a really uplifting community because making web comics is really hard. And so we want to make sure that our creators have all the support they need to do it well. Gotcha. As far as the business model and monetization for the creators, how has how has that evolved over time and, and what's coming down the pipeline in terms of the future? Right now, the core, and correct me if wrong, is a freemium model where you know, users hit a paywall that's a certain number of episodes in, and then you, know, you have the rev share between the platform and the creators. Any other monetization for the creators that happens and, and how is that product uh, development look like in the future? Yeah, I, I actually can't talk quite yet about what we're developing for the future, but currently our content is paid for by the reader using in-app coins, which we refer to as ink. So readers can purchase ink or they can earn it by watching ad, which is really fantastic because they can sort of sit through and then be able to access the storytelling without having to pay for it specifically. And on top of that, the first three episodes are generally free and that allows the reader to determine if they enjoy the story and then want to commit to more. And in terms of opportunities to monetize various series, it's really in the creator's hands. So they can go exclusive with us. That's one way. But the goal of the platform is to create sustainable forms of revenue for storytellers at all stages in their careers. 
So we want to make sure that we provide those options depending on how much of a commitment a creator might want to make or what we're seeing as potential ancillary opportunities for the content they're posting on Top Us. Yeah. If they go exclusive to Top Us, does that mean that the increased cut in the rev share or um, a direct payments in some sense, or what? What's the benefit? Yeah, yeah. So more of a more of an increased payment on the back end. Our rev share is the most generous of any I've ever seen at any content company I've worked at. So it's it's amazing. But contracts are very specific to the creator. So again, the amount of time they put in, the amount of effort they put in, is absolutely going to affect what they're seeing on the back end. Yeah, gotcha. How is the the uh, looking at IP from you know, the top stories on top of us, how hand in hand are you working with those creators in trying to expand those franchises off the platform? Is that a core part of, of the company's work or typically the creators are doing that independently with their own management agents, et cetera? No, we're, we're really partnering with them to make sure that their content is seen by the right eyes across publishing and entertainment. I have a new hire who just started this week, who's our head of creative development, who comes from Warner Brothers, Wolper. His name is Kevin, and he's going to be focusing on the film and TV side. And now I have a new hire starting next week named Alex, who's going to be focusing on publisher relations. So making sure that our top titles are adapted into print publishing, into books, and mm-hmm. put out into bookstores as well. So it's, it's really important to us that we find partners who work with exactly what the content is. We have deals with podcasting companies. We're developing a merchandise shop that exists on our store. So if the art is really beautiful and phenomenal and people want it on a t-shirt or a mug or whatever, they can access that as well. So we're really doing everything we can to make sure that the content is fed out into appropriate ancillary development wherever we can. Yeah. How do you, I guess, looking at different IP on the platform, do you see clear patterns as far as based on some aspect of a given story, it being a better fit in terms of trying to pitch it either on the entertainment side for film, TV, digital series versus expanding into print publishing versus it being appropriate for a podcast? Yeah, we generally will go out and see what the mandates are from the other partners that we work with, you know, what are they looking for? What stories do we have that will fit those mandates? And the main thing to remember is that we have hundreds of thousands of IP at our disposal. So we can basically look at top us content and find almost anything to serve up what our partners are looking for, for let's say live TV development episode, episodic content is really in demand. So you can, you can see how this would work really well for that authentic type of development. In, in terms of print publishing, we're really focusing on some of our middle grade content. So you'll see Magical Boy. We have an IP called Rest Area 51, which is really fun and really exciting. And we see opportunities for book production on that side. And then on our you know, older YA, young adults or adults content, we see a lot of interest from that live action or adult animation side. Yeah. Is Tapas providing any financing in these expansions of the IP? Yeah, we are. We have a lot of co-developments and co-publishing partnerships that are going on. I I will talk about them more after everything has been announced, but right now I have to be a little bit vague. Sorry. I understand. The other thing I'm curious about here is from a product standpoint, 
do you see greater interactivity coming down the pipeline in terms of it's still, while there's interactivity in, in terms of tapping through or scrolling to progress through a story, there's social features, the core content itself is non-interactive. Is Tapas moving in a direction where there'll be more interactive comment content and, and some of these look a little bit more like perhaps games is too strong of a word, but there's been a whole wave of different types of interactive storytelling apps that that sit between yeah, like motion with, comics and things like yeah. that yeah absolutely what i can say right now is that we're exploring a number of exciting initiatives in terms of interactivity and we will be announcing those soon excited to hear more about them my last question then would just be obviously it, the big news story right now has been uh, Tapas acquisition by cacao what changes or, or what's coming next as a result of this acquisition we are following through on all of our new ideas and initiatives and continuing to expand in exactly the same way as before. In terms of our partnerships and our deals that we have on the film and TV side, we have a number of projects that are underway in co-development for our partner slate and nothing changes there. We have the webcomic adaptation of CJ Entertainment's blockbuster film, Werewolf Boy, Yes, My Boss, which is a modern workplace romance. And on that one, I think Frolic Media and Madison Wells are producing a scripted podcast and developing the TV adaptation. And we have Mnemosyne, which is an AI thriller created by Sansa. And that one is being developed by Zoic Studios for TV and cross-platform adaptation. I think that's all I'm allowed to share right now, but, but in terms of Anything that would change as a result of this, nothing has changed. We are continuing to go forward on all of those and some others that haven't yet been announced. Well, I'm excited to follow along. It, it sounds like we should be expecting some big announcements in the next few months. Absolutely. Excellent. Michelle, thanks for joining. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Monetizing Media Podcast. You can join my Monetizing Media newsletter and find other resources like a database of investors who focus on media and entertainment startups at monetizingmedia.com.